Are you ready? Hell yeah. Let's turn on the tunes. Go. Here we go. Here we don't go. I wasn't actually ready. Oh, we're doing it. We're doing it. This is it. Yep, this is it. Ready? Real shit. Yeehaw. Hi, friends. I'm Kylie. I'm Kinsey. Oh, I'm Alex. And this is Accusing, Boozing, and Cruising, a podcast where we're going for a little drive and doing a little drinking and talking a lot about spooky and scary shit that goes bump in the night. Um, a little pre-warning, there may be stories that may be too graphic or may have topics that may make you uncomfortable. Also, we are not promoting drinking and driving, so if you plan on drinking, make sure you have yourself a designated driver to get you where you need to go. That's me, baby. Baby. Do we have any updates this week? Um, this is coming out... The Tuesday after our party. I'm Halloween going to party. Disneyland. Oh, we had a great Halloween party this hopefully, weekend. No, hopefully, awesome. we, hopefully our Halloween party went good. Yeah, you guys were all probably there. We invited um, you all. Kenzie's going to Halloween. Not, Kenzie's not going to Halloween. Kenzie's going to Disneyland this weekend. Sure am. <laughs> we are not going to Disneyland this weekend. My computer's doing fine things. Um... I don't know, we're double recording, so we're making shit up as we go. If you care about our lives, go listen to the last episode. <laughs> yep. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And check out our Instagrams um, if you wanted to be updated on what we've been doing, because apparently we have no idea what our future holds. Yeah. Um, yep. Yeah. Yep. Yep, yep, yep. This week we are in Minnesota. The Minnesota drink of choice is called the bootleg. Originally created during Prohibition, one of this cocktail's defining characteristics is its ability to completely mask the taste of alcohol, making it a delicious and dangerous drink. Well, we will see about I that. I will have a lot of complaints. Many local <laughs> establishments claim to be the originators of the bootleg. One thing is for sure, the bootleg is deeply embedded in Twin Cities' culinary culture. These days, the bootleg is the best-selling drink made from very simple ingredients. Vodka, citrus, mint. Some bartenders use fresh squeezed juice, others use lemonade, limeade, or a blend. This cocktail is traditionally served in a pint glass filled with ice. Try it for yourself. We are using lemonade and limeade, frozen lemonade and limeade. And Tito's. Tito's. And it looks good. It looks like a pond. It kind of does look like a pond. <laughs> pond water. It looks like, you know, those TikToks where it's like fish in and the... And they scoop and it out. Yeah. And they scoop oh, out shapes. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And it smells good. It doesn't smell like alcohol. Are we going to tippy-tappy? With my beautiful gloved hand. Nope. Tippy-tappy. You like it? I like it. <laughs> it doesn't taste like alcohol. Maybe it's we didn't put enough in. That's good. It's pretty damn good. Yeah. I am not mad. I think this is the first time out of all seven episodes that I've liked my yeah. drink. So, here we go. <laughs> what a great idea for a podcast. I put a bit in, so. So, what you're saying is don't go fast. No, we do. Oh, go ahead. Please. I'm saying they're not wrong that it masks it. Okay. I understand. Can I have a red one? Mm-hmm. Hey, Alex, what are our facts? Can I have a green one? Mm-hmm. No. We're eating... Mini frogs. Mini rainbow frogs. To go with our pond water. Yeah! <laughs> wow! <laughs> okay. It's 
Minnesota got kind of weird. Big surprise. What? Big surprise. What? Minnesota got kind of weird. Big it surprise. It was weird? What? What? <laughs> Why are you guys being weird? <laughs> I sorry, don't know what's sorry. happening. We're both sorry. Are we? No. Minnesota is a name which comes from the Sioux. It means sky-tinted water. <coughs> sorry, I choked on the frog. Or cloudy water. Oh, perfect for our drink. Yes. Our drinks are cloudy water for the state of cloudy water. And it's just a reference to uh, the Minnesota River, which was the first land, the, the first piece of geography to be named Minnesota, which um, reflects the clouds in the sky above. So that's a real fun fact for you. <laughs> Minnesota is the 12th largest U.S. state. It's the 22nd most populous um, with 5.7 million people, half of which approximately live in the Minneapolis-St. Paul Twin Cities area. <gasps> wow. Is this where Wine and Crime is from? Yes, Wine and Crime is from Minnesota. Uh-huh. You definitely knew that. They've no, always I always been... get it mixed up with Michigan. Their intro is I understand their what worst their intro Minnesotan is, but I have, all day I've been getting Montana and Minnesota mixed up, <laughs> and so why would you be surprised that I have gotten it mixed up with another state? Okay, fair enough. Plug for Wine and Crime. Go listen to them if you want. They're a very popular and good podcast that me and Kylie are super into. But listen to us first. Yeah, no, finish this episode, please. <laughs> You're not going to finish it if you do that super Please. <laughs> this is the whole episode. Please. Minnesota's nicknames. Such a big ass straws. <laughs> you could have said that while I was pausing. <laughs> I was taking a drink while you were pausing. Very, very surprised. They are big this, ass straws. It's a big ass hole in the straw. And a lot came out and I wasn't ready for it. How many holes are in a straw? One or two? Remember that debate that we had a while ago? We had it. Oh. That was a big thing for a while. How many holes are in a straw? One hole or two holes? Two. Or is just the straw the hole? Yeah. No, keep going. I don't know. I don't know, dude. I think hole is the wrong term. Opening? Slit? It's, no, not slit. That's gross. (laughs) (laughs) Minnesota's nicknames are the land of 10,000 lakes. Because it has over 14,000 bodies of fresh water that are at least 10 acres. You didn't know that? That's fucking crazy. No, I didn't know that. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I think it's funny they didn't call it the land of 14,000 lakes. But I thought Michigan was the land of lakes. No. Huh. I mean, Michigan is surrounded by Great Lakes. But so is Minnesota. It's pro- one of its nicknames is probably the Great Lakes State. Oh, maybe. We'll figure know. it out. We'll, we'll get there. It's not too far away. Michigan. Um, okay, so land of 14,000 lakes, also called the North Star State because apparently it's the northernmost U.S. state. This part was, well, okay, in the contiguous U.S. Alaska is obviously the most, is obviously the most northernest, mostest, would be Alaska. But, um, as far as contiguous U.S. states go, Minnesota is the northernmost. And I was kind of confused by this because all the states... At the top of the contiguous U.S. run along the 49th parallel. Yeah. But 
There's like a little part of Minnesota, and I didn't look this up. I should have looked up this geographical location. <laughs> There's like a little part of Minnesota that goes up past the 49th parallel into Canada for some really? reason. Really? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, really. <laughs> I was really disingenuine. <laughs> You did not no. do a good job no. of covering up. For no, I no, I was listening. There is a part that goes up with, above the 49th parallel. Yeah, that's really cool. It's like a little bumpy. Okay. <laughs> Why are you laughing at me? <laughs> I know you were being genuine. <laughs> yeah. Alex's reaction was really funny. <laughs> I was being genuine. Oh, I was also recovering from how sour this drink was. <laughs> there you go. Um. <laughs> This is going to be a fun episode. It's also called the Gopher State. No, I will not elaborate. Are there a lot of gophers? He's not going to elaborate. I just said I wasn't going to elaborate. <laughs> I want to know, though. Look at that. Okay, up. well then, you can find out for yourself. Okay. It's the 32nd state, inducted in 1858. That rhymed. Gross. <laughs> its capital is St. Paul. It's, wait, that can't be right. Minnesota, Minnesota. Minnesota. Mm-hmm. I mean, I know it's there. I didn't think that was the capital. I guess that is. Okay, the capital is St. Paul. The there biggest city is Minneapolis. There are two of gophers, including the Plains Pocket Gopher and the Northern Pocket Gopher. Whoa. That's it. So there's at least two gophers in Minnesota. <laughs> <laughs> Their state bird is a common loon, which is also how I like to describe myself. Their flower is the pink and white lady's slipper. And then their state beverage is also milk. Why? Also milk? Yeah, That's milk. Gross. <laughs> gross. Yep. I mean, was it gross when it was North Dakota? It was yeah, gross. Yeah, it was really too. gross. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> um, <laughs> Start to my finger. Among other tribes, Minneapolis is home to the Dakota, Ojibwe, and Anishabe peoples. Um, when I think of Minnesota, I think of cold. So I looked it up. Minnesota is on average in the winter, about 12 degrees Fahrenheit, which is negative 11 degrees Celsius. And in the summer is 74 degrees Fahrenheit or 23 degrees Celsius. I hate the winter time. I hate being cold. Same. Last night I was like next to Alex and I put my sweater on and I was literally like this into him because I was so cold. Yeah. I turned the heater on when I got here. Mm. Nice. I don't like it when it hurts your skin to be no. outside. Like, that's not final. Yeah. I don't like it. I know. We have a saying in the outdoors community that there's no bad weather, only bad clothes. And that I own sense, a lot of bad but... clothes. <laughs> <laughs> I feel like I shouldn't have to worry about my clothes when I'm inside my house. Yeah. Well, yeah. I was talking about outside. Well, I was inside. Oh. We're different people. <laughs> I was inside with you. <laughs> okay. Um, so year-round, Minnesota is ranked as the fourth coldest state. And uh, it's the third coldest in the winter, according to one website I looked at. <laughs> so, yeah, it's cold there. They get a lot of snow. Kenzie and I need to start cite, cite our hockey. sources, but I think you also need to start citing your sources. He does it all the time. He says the website. Oh, okay. I say it's from a website. It's no, from the, the internet. The, the state website the last couple times. Yeah, but sometimes it's... I will start citing my sources. I'm getting a phone call. Okay, take it. Hello? Oh, they're so sour. 
<laughs> She's not even going to school. <laughs> Late start day. She's not even going to school. <laughs> okay, sorry, keep going. Where was I? I don't know. Oh. Um, like most states, agriculture, manufacturing, as well as mining, bioscience, and fishing is the main industry in Minnesota. It's not hockey. Oh. Which, um, How I Met Your Mother would lead me to believe. Hmm. That's my first memory of ever learning about the state of Minnesota was... Watching How I Met Your Mother, because oh. Marshall's family lives in Minnesota. We went to a hockey game, or we told, we probably told you, but we went to a hockey game when we were in Michigan, and it was really fun, and I just wanted them to pick fights the whole time. That's the only I have, watch hockey. <laughs> I have decided I want to be one of the people in the suits between the pe- the guys in the penalty box, mm-hmm. just so I can shit talk back and forth so that they go on the ice and fight each other. That'd be awesome. <laughs> I want to be the shit talker. I encourage it. The shit box talker. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Um, okay, so I did go down a weird little rabbit hole in Minnesota. <gasps> Sidetrack shenanigans! I really hope it's about what I think it's about. Is it about the state photo? No. Oh. I'll tell you mine. Okay. So, Minnesota has an official state photograph. Mm. Which is kind of weird. I couldn't find any other states that had official state photographs. It is called Grace. It was inducted as the official state photo in 2002, despite being taken in 1918 Oh. It's a picture of an old man with his hands folded and, like, against his forehead with his elbows on the table. Oh, it's like a painting. Great. It was taken by Eric Enstrom around 1918. The model was uh, Charles Wilden, who was a kind of a, just like a peddler guy that lived in town. He was didn't make a lot of money and he lived in a sod house apparently um the book was actually a dictionary fun fact i just i thought it was really interesting that they just (laughs) they had a state photo at all um apparently charles wilden what did they say they said he was less Oh, local stories were less about him being pious, which is kind of what the photo represents is like piety and um, and resilience in the face of struggle, I guess. But they were less local stories about him were less about that and more about how he drank a lot and didn't accomplish very much. <laughs> <Aww>. <laughs> um, he was paid five dollars in nineteen twenty six for uh, waiving his rights to any proceeds from the photo um which like just became a really popular photo that was sold like prints of it were sold and people just put it up all over the place and it made some money it's weird it's weird that there's a state photo yeah um but i have more stories about it okay a couple more stories about this random state photo yeah so he got five bucks for it and then he kind of just like disappeared nobody really knows what he did after 26 um Strangely, a lot of people tried to track him down, which I think is so funny. It's like, why he's not, I mean, everybody's special in their own way, but he's not really a special guy. He's just like, he happened to take an opportunity to pose for a f- one photo. Yeah, and he's not like a celebrity But that's just what media does. They'll like track down any person they can to get whatever details they can. It's like, what were you hoping to like publish a new story about? 
Charles Wyden's they wanted him to retake the photo. weird opinion. Yeah, or <laughs> I don't know. I just think it's weird that people will just try to get a statement from literally any random person from any picture. They wanted his autograph. I guess. He's famous. It's weird. Um, what? Why do you guys keep laughing? It's not you. I, I swear it's not you. She just keeps making funny faces. I can't help it. Okay. We'll stop looking at each other. Okay, so the photo was taken in Bovie, Minnesota. And on their giant water tower, because Minnesota's, a lot of it is flat and they have water towers, which is weird for us. Washingtonians, um, their their water tower says Bovie, home of the picture. Oh, Grace! <laughs> like that's their claim to fame is this one photo. Wow. I just it's blows my mind that this photo is such a big deal. And like not it's, anywhere it's like a else. Good picture, but never heard of it before. I've seen it. Really I know I've seen it. it. Yeah, apparently this town has nothing else going on for it. There's a lake. That is apparently unnamed because it used to be a mine, but somebody Whoa. said we should name it Grace Lake. It wait back the up. mine the lake used to be a mine. Yeah, it was like a super deep mine. It's an extremely deep lake apparently. That's crazy. That's cool. Yeah, so that's one of the Tell fourteen thousand. <laughs> I don't have any more about that. <laughs> Mines are big holes in the ground, and when they fill with water, they become lakes. Ah, was it? Do you know it's if it was man-made? Well, it's a mine. No, like the water. Oh. What's put in there on purpose or like just rain? I don't know. Or the fish? Uh, the fish were probably not man-made. They were probably made by other fish. <laughs> they might have been farmed. I don't even know if there's fish in the lake. Sorry, go ahead. More interestingly, there's a play about the taking of this photo. Oh my goodness gracious. From like I feel 2012, like they're just I think. like milking They're it. really, milking really it, milking it. They like their milk. I guess. But they're milking it too hard. <laughs> Uh-huh. Yeah. Um, and then another little detail about it was that after the law was passed in 2002, the current Secretary of State had to put a print of the photo on her wall, like in accordance <laughs> with the act that declared it the state wow. photo. I just thought that was so funny, going to work one day and putting up this photo because the law says you have to yeah. on an office wall. <laughs> What if it was you had to, every house had to have a picture of this state like, picture? Like a Bible in every hotel or whatever? Yeah. That would be so weird. Is that even true? Is there actually know. a Bible in every hotel it's, there's in been America? An, I check every single time. Yeah. Every really? hotel yep. I've been to, yeah. Oh. I never check. I just go to sleep. <laughs> it's usually in the drawers of the nightstand. Alright, so, yeah, I didn't find any, a lot of interesting um, tourism information about Minnesota. They basically said, if you want to do some urban stuff, hang out in Minneapolis-St. Paul and do basically anything you could do in any other city in America. <laughs> or if you want to do some small town stuff, go visit our historic small towns. Wow. So yeah, Same. unlike South Dakota, the best state. You're really Seems running like with that. Minnesota doesn't have a lot of tourism going on. You think there's going to be a state we hit that Alex is going to say better is better than South Dakota? No. Mm, probably not, no. There, I did find one weird law for Minnesota, and this will be the end of my um, my bit, I guess. Apparently, in Minnesota, it was for a long time, it has since been reversed, but it was for a long time illegal to play 
bingo for more than two days at a senior center or nursery home. Hmm, like consecutively? Not straight. It's like there were only two days of bingo allowed. Like at the nursery home, it's like bingo day on Wednesday, bingo day on Thursday, no more bingo the rest of the week. That's stupid. And it's because... Do you remember when we went on the cruise and we played bingo a bunch? That was fun. (laughs) And at the beginning of quarantine, we bought a bingo spinner, ball spinner, and we um, Skype Cody and Skype um, Pete and Martha and play bingo with them. Cute. Yeah. I do remember playing bingo on the cruise. I thought I had, was close to winning, and I had to stand up for some, like, game they were doing for, like, the people who were, only had, like, one space left, and I yeah. looked down, and I was not close to winning. <laughs> and so I was like, how do I sit down without people looking? So I think um, the bingo law, and I've listened, okay, you guys are going to get sick of hearing this. There was a Dan she Cummins Time Suck time podcast suck. episode. <laughs> Dan was... Cummins Time Suck. Alex, listen to it. Weird laws in each state. And I think he talked about bingo and, or no, it was, it was other, it was like pool and, and pinball, I think, where they're technically gambling. And so. I guess, yeah. Yeah. I mean, you can win Just money. for gambling reasons, you weren't allowed to play more than two days of bingo. That makes sense. Stop. I hate uh, you. <laughs> I think it's weird that every time they say something at the same time, <laughs> they get mad at each other. We're best friends. Soulmates. Alright. That's all I got. Random state photo. It's pretty cold. Uh, watch your bingo. One more thing. Watch your bingo. Did you guys read about the phantom kangaroos? No. Phantom kangaroos. It's like the the crepid you said. Cryptid. 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 Yeah, and they they haven't seen one in like twenty years, but apparently it was very popular to see kangaroos in your yard, and they weren't actually there. So they were phantom kangaroos. Whoa! I did I did research or see that one I was researching because I was gonna do not a cryptid. There was the Iceman of Minnesota, oh, mm-hmm. um, and I was gonna cover that. Um, and when the guy that was frozen in the mountains? Yeah. Cool. It was a hoax, though. Oh, it was a hoax? Lame. Um, and I was going to cover that, and when researching that, I saw the kangaroos, and I was like, what? Weird. Yeah, I was going to talk about that, but there's not enough information. Yeah. That's weird, because, like, I wouldn't be surprised if there were actually kangaroos there's living there's over there. There's, like, kangaroo... Yeah. Yeah, we, we have, have a kangaroo, kangaroo farm. farm in Arlington. We just did it. Best friends. Wow. Best friends. Uh, yeah. <laughs> I think that's wrong. What's wrong? I don't like the kangaroo farm. Oh no, it's kind of sad and depressing because there's just like a lot of kangaroos. They don't want to be like they don't want to be touched. Yeah, you can walk through and just hang out with them, them. and they're all just sleepy and hanging out. They just want to be left alone. There's also lemurs there. Yeah, there's a lot of animals there. There's a llama there. All right, Alex. (laughs) Who's going first? Uh, who went first last time? I don't remember. I did. Kinsey did. Kylie goes first this time. Let me never remember. <clears throat> this week, I am covering the vampire murders. Not to be confused with the vampire in Sacramento, because that guy was fucked up. That's true. Um, Just wait till we get spicy. to California. No, it's, it's sour, buddy. You gotta figure it out. You gotta put like water in there or something. I'm not gonna drink it if it makes me sick. That's fair. 
Mackenzie's gonna get out of drinking so many drinks. She is. No, she's I'm gonna not. say they all make her sick. I've drank every drink up until this point that I didn't like. You always complain about Excuse it. Excuse you. So does Kylie. That's true. <laughs> but Kylie doesn't try to get out of drinking it. I've not tried to get out of drinking them. Okay. <laughs> okay. Ha <laughs> ha. It's really sour. <laughs> <laughs> you have to drink at least half. This is a Read your stories. Read your stories. It's a tall glass, I will say. Read your story. <laughs> mm-hmm. <laughs> Timothy Michael Erickson, 18, and his brother Mark, 19, shared an apartment in St. Cloud, Minnesota. From time to time, these two brothers would take in, shel- take in and shelter homeless or runaway teens. And they didn't do a lot of research into um, their lives previous or like they're they're growing up um but it takes a certain type of person to you know open their home to runaways oh yeah or you know um, people who are homeless or just you know it's kind of giving um and i didn't there wasn't a lot of information on what they were providing for these teens whether it just be like a roof over their head or if they were you know groceries and all that other stuff but it it's still Nice that it they gave these kids somewhere to live. Um, at the time of this case, in 1988, there were four other teens, ranging from 15 to 17, living with the brothers, two of which were female. Sometime around March 15th, Mark and one of the resident teens, Bill Benedict, and some of the other boys who were there talked a lot about forming a vampire cult. And this sparked some interest in Mark. He started to watch movies about teenage vampires, and he began to ask Benedict about the occult. No one thought Mark was actually taking any of this seriously. Anyone who was around when Mark talked about these things always thought that he was just joking. On March 21st, 1988, seven of the young men, including both the Erickson brothers and Donald Gall, a boy who was staying with the brothers, decided to go camping in Riverside Park near St. Cloud. At about 11.30 that evening, Gall arrived at the Erickson's apartment and and apparently, in their words, he was sloppy drunk. (laughs) And before leaving for the campsite, Gall also smoked some weed. As the group prepared to leave, Benedict, um, the one who originally brought up starting a vampire cult, became became uneasy and decided to leave the party. At about 1 a.m., the remaining six of them set off for the campsite. The Ericsons brought a case of beer, some weed, and effendine, an over-the-counter stimulant. One of the group, one of the boys in the group, brought some hot dogs. A 15-year-old brought um, one of the brothers' fixed blade hunting knives and was heard saying something about um, their first victim to someone. For a few hours, the group sat around their campfire near the edge of the frozen river and drank beer, smoked weed, ate their hot dogs, talked about women, hunting, drugs, jail, and motorcycles. This sounds like something that, like, we would have been a part of when we were in high school. I mean, minus the talk of jail, hunting, and motorcycles, (laughs) and the -the over-encounter, over-the-counter stimulant, (laughs) but, like, we... I mean, we had bonfires, and we drank, and, yeah. you know, just normal, like, teenage stuff. And I definitely ate hot dogs when I was in high school. Ate a lot of hot dogs. Um, 
After a few hours of this, at 4.30 a.m., which is way past my bedtime now, I'll go to bed at like oof, 10. Yeah. I'm tired at midnight. Um, one of the men left because he got cold and was getting tired. Gall laid down near the fire and ended up falling asleep. The four remaining campers went into the woods and started talking, and Timothy suggested that they kill Gall and drink his blood. He said that the other campers should go wake him up and that he would take the knife that was brought and kill him with it. Mark refused to participate in the plan, but it was decided that they would still go through with it. And it's kind of weird to me that Mark refused to go through the plan because he was the one in the beginning who was um, doing all the research into the vampire, teenage vampires right. and the occult. And he wanted to know all the information, but he refused to participate at all. As the group returned to the campfire, Timothy, Timothy pulled his knife from his sheath and approached Gaul. Gaul suddenly woke up, and to keep him calm, Timothy told him that they would keep the fire going and that he should just go back to sleep. Gaul waking up put a damper on their original plans, so they all returned to the woods to rethink, of how, to rethink how they were going to kill him. This time it was decided that Timothy would club Gaul while he was sleeping and that the others would start kicking him to keep him down. Wow, real mature. <laughs> I don't know what I'm trying to say. Well, he's sleeping so he can't fight back. Yeah. Yeah, club him in his sleep and then kick him while he's down. That's Yeah. Really honorable. Not that there's an he honorable way to kill up. anybody, yeah. but Yeah. Um, <laughs> again, Mark refused to participate in this plan. But I mean, he was there and he watched it all happen, so he's no matter what, he's He's a part of it. The group then returned to the campfire with their new plan in mind. Tim picked up a tree branch and began to hit Gall over the head with it. Excuse me. As he was doing this, the other boys began to kick Gall, none of them letting up and all of them continuing their attack on the helpless Gall, all except Mark, who refused to participate. Once Gall had lost consciousness, Tim then took the knife lifted Gaul's head into the air, and slit his throat. He then let him bleed to death. Jesus. The three boys who participated in the act... Sorry. I lost my spot. The three boys who participated in the act then licked their hands clean of Gaul's blood and began to clean up the campsite. They removed Gaul's leather jacket, his wristwatch, lifted his wallet, and emptied out his pockets. Tim then announced, quote, we've got, we've got to get rid of the body, end quote. And then the three of them pushed Gaul's lifeless body off the river, river ice and into the open water. The group then made their way home, taking a different route than the way they took to get there to avoid detection. On the way home, they made sure to stop by a store and pick up cigarettes with the money they had taken from Gaul. When finally making it home, Tim then told the two females who were staying with him about what had happened that night at the river, telling him that he had killed Gaul by beating him to death with a log and stabbing him with a knife. Then he went on to brag about how he had drunk Gaul's blood and licked it off his hands. That's so gross. Yeah. He yeah, even went, um, he even told them that he had thrown the body into the river. So he didn't he care, he everything. didn't care who knew. He was, he Jesus. was, he was telling everybody because he had done this and, it's really gross. It's really gross. It's always so weird to me when they just go around telling everybody. Yeah. 
you can just keep it to yourself and you can't get away with it. Yeah. But both brothers end up having a big mouth about it. So it's not just it's mm. not just Timothy, which I end up calling him Tim because it was too much to type Timothy. It was lazy. Um, both brothers then told Benedict, who was the one who originally was like, hey, let's start a vampire cult, um, but had decided to stay home that night, about the murders and about what had happened. Tim even tells him that Gaul's death was, quote, not really that big of a deal, end quote. At about 4 a.m. on March 24th, 1988, a very drunk Benedict wandered into the St. Cloud Law Enforcement Center and reported the murder. Gaul's body was soon discovered floating the river a short distance downstream from the campsite. Soon after the body was found, Tim was arrested at St. Cloud, St. Cloud's bus terminal. When he was interrogated, he initially denied any involvement in the murder. But after tests showed the presence of blood on his jacket and boots, he began to cry and confess to the murders, even repeating his confession a second time so that it could be recorded. So when he first confessed, he just confessed openly and no one was recording so they couldn't... Right. Like, so they were bragging about it? Yes. So they re-recorded it. They, they had him reconfess so they re- could get it on tape so it could be used in court. During the trial, the defense team initially tried to say um, that the trial, they held it twice, I believe. It was it was weird, because the first time the defense team initially tried to say that Tim was intoxicated, and that had rendered himself incapable of forming um, intent to murder, um, which didn't, it didn't work with the jury. They found him guilty <laughs> of murder in the first degree. And then the second time, the defense tried to say that defendant had mental illness that had rendered him incapable of knowing the nature of his act or that it was wrong. But the jury still stuck with the guilty verdict, um, and he had to go to jail, obviously. Timothy Erickson was evaluated by a psychologist and a psychiatrist. One psychologist gave his opinion that the defendant was suffering from an organic personality syndrome which could have been caused by the defendant's chemical abuse. Because growing up, he um, messed with a lot of drugs and alcohol, and so he's saying that this abuse of those substances gave him a personality syndrome. Hmm. And this would result in him not knowing the wrongfulness of his acts. But there was testimony from a different psycho- or a different yeah, psychologist and um, a psychiatrist who observed Tim and evaluated his condition during his 60-day stay at the Minnesota State Security Hospital. And it was their conclusion that Tim exhibited some antisocial behaviors, but that he did not suffer from any mental illness and knew the wrongfulness of his act when he murdered Gall. So he couldn't couldn't get get out of it because he had mental illness. Right. Tim tried to say that he was not given his Sixth Amendment, which is the right to counsel, but there are recorded statements between Tim and an officer that proves that the officer asked all the right questions and when Tim turned <laughs> and that Tim turned down um, the offer to a lawyer. When asked if he wanted a lawyer, the defendant said, "Not much he can do." In the M, in the end, Tim Erickson was sentenced to life in prison. He did try to appeal this ruling a few times, but each time he was denied. And as far as I could tell, he's still in prison to this day. 
Is he the only one that went to jail? Mm-hmm. Weird. Did he... Do you know if he said that the other boys were there? Not that I could read. Not that I could read. Not that I saw. Hmm. Um, but I think he was the one who did the majority of it. Well, yeah, but they But I mean, helped. they were helped. Yeah. yeah. But as far as I could tell, he was the only one who got in trouble. Um, hmm. And then the only pictures I could find were of newspapers from that time. Like, I couldn't find any of the boys... Um, there's one of the boy, actually. Um, but most of them were just of new pa- newspapers at that time. Hmm. Oh, yeah. That's, like, a not even a good picture of him. Yeah. Um, and then all the other pictures are... There's been, I guess, a lot of vampire murders, where people go and murder and drink other people's blood. Yeah. Weird. Um, so when you look up vampire murders... There's just a whole bunch. There's just a whole bunch of nonsense. To look at. Great. Well, thanks for that really fun time. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. That's really gross, the licking the blood off your hands. Yeah. We all did it. Well, not Mark. Which is weird to me that, like, Mark, maybe, like, the website I read it off of got it wrong. But it was weird to me that Mark was the one initially who was interested and was asking Benedict all those questions about it. But he didn't want to participate in any right. of it. Yeah, that is strange. Mm. Just like got the idea from somebody else, yeah. <laughs> decided to go do it. Creepy, creepy, creepy. All right. My case is about Hang Lee. She was 17 years old at the time when she went missing. Um, she would be around 45 years old now. She is five foot. Even, um, brown eyes, dark brown hair, slash black hair. I like to say that just because she's still missing, so we'll put up pictures of the time lapse. Anyway, Hang, or Hong, moved to the U.S. as a little girl after her family fled, fled a refugee camp in Laos. They lived in St. Paul, Minnesota, where she lived in the McDonough Home Project. Um, and she was working. She was one of 14 children. Oh my god. Which is nuts to me. Wow. That's too many kids. Too many. I feel like any time there's more than, like, seven, six kids in a family and we say it on here, we're all like, Six is too many (laughs) for one family. Six kids? My family has six people, including the parents. Same. And that's, I think that's good. Any more than four, if you ask me, is wild. Uh, she was described as sweet but naive. Um, she loved to read and was a senior at the time of her disappearance. She wanted to go to the University of Minnesota after she graduated. Um, at the time of her disappearance, she worked alongside her siblings in Wong's Cafe as a cashier. Um, she spoke both Hmong, H-M-O-N-G, Mom. and English. I've never heard of it. Me either. From Laos. 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 Her last confirmed sighting was she was leaving her home between 6 and 7 on the 12th of January, 1993. She decided to look for a new job as her role at the cashier at the Wong Cafe didn't really pay that great. Um, I think it was like $7 an hour. And she wanted to bring more income into the family. Kia Lee, also known as Nikki... 
um, said that she saw Hang and went to high school with her. But she returned home alone shortly thereafter. So she's they they hung out and then went home. Okay, okay. I uh, yeah, sorry. <laughs> um but she since then changed her story a bunch. Oh. Um, hmm, that's weird. That's pretty uh never a good yeah. sign. Damning. She's now refused to cooperate further with any authorities and about any questions needed. What the hell? The authorities initially wrote off Hang as a runaway. But there was nothing in her life that would lead her to be this unhappy. If she if she was trying to find a job to help support her family, right? Um, why would she run why away? Why would she run away? She obviously cared. Um, it was only after speaking to Nikki that they switched to a potential missing persons case. Mm. One of her stories that she told. What's yeah. a little damning? Yeah. When she was cooperating with the police, she told them that Hang left with an unidentified male. She then changed her story to implicate Mark Wallace and stated. That Hang had gone to a job interview with him. Nikki also worked for Mark and said that he owned a small painting and carpentry business um, at the time of the disappearance. Do they think Nikki's a part of it? I don't know. Hmm. Um, it is thought that Nikki set the um, interview up for okay. her. Um, Nikki, was, Nikki said that Wallace was driving a white pickup. Then she changed it to a cream pickup. Then she changed it to another color. I don't trust Nikki. Yeah. Um, she also changed the make of the vehicle to a nineteen eighty eight Chevrolet Cavalier. Nikki says that From Wallace. A truck? Yeah. That's <laughs> so different. Yeah. Uh, she says that Wallace dropped her off and drove away with Hang in the front seat. She also says that he would. That he said he would drive Hang home after her interview, but later told police that he dropped her off at Rice Street, um, which is right by the cafe that she worked at. Hmm. I don't trust Nikki. No. To me, it's she set this up, but she's changed her story so many times. Like, and if she works for the guy, you think that she would know? Like, yeah, she's what trying vehicle. to hide something. Yeah. Oh, maybe it was a white car. Maybe it was a cream car. Did I say truck? No, I meant this other car. Mm-hmm. But like, it's just like a little car. But she never changed the person. Like she always said it was Mark. Yeah. So that's interesting. Yeah. It's weird. Nikki worked as a receptionist for Wallace from December of 1992 to March of 1993. But she seemed to know very little about Wallace's business or his dealings. She stated that there Mackenzie was... just rolled her eyes at that. Seems like a bad thing to... <laughs> to not know. Like a receptionist should know about yeah. your business and your dealings. Yeah. yeah. Probably more than you even know. <laughs> um, she stated that there was never any customers or other people that came in except for some teenage boys. What a shitty job. <laughs> when the teenage boys would visit the business, they would go into a locked room with Wallace. Okay, that's not a good business. Yeah. She didn't elaborate on that. Are you going to tell us more about Mark to. Wallace? Okay, to it. Okay. Mark Wallace. I just have a lot of questions. No, Mark, no. No, Wallace. <laughs> Wallberg. Nikki stated that Wallace yes, also Wallace. took pictures of her and promised her a job as a model with a friend what? of his. What kind of pictures? Doesn't say. I need answers. But this friend never came around. And I she wonder didn't know why. what happened to the pictures that were taken. Oh, I wonder what happened to them. Weird, I don't know what yeah. happened. It's, they didn't develop right. 
Um, she also says that there was a time when Wallace gave her a drink um, and told her that it would keep her from being nauseated by all of the paint fumes. She claimed she felt numb and sleepy and remembered waking up on the floor wrapped in a blanket. So she was drugged? Yeah. Great. By this guy who takes pictures of her. She doesn't know what he does for a living. We love it. We love it so much. Let me set my friend up with an interview with this guy. Yeah. That's really smart, Nikki. Such a great guy. All he does is drug you and take pictures of you and lock himself in rooms with little boys. Yeah. Perfect employment opportunity. They were little boys. I thought they were teenagers. Teenagers. I mean, teenagers are little boys. (laughs) They're young boys. I don't think they're little boys. Um, One of Hang's bosses that doesn't have relation to her says that Hang called her to let her know she had a job interview and couldn't work her scheduled shift. Eileen, the boss, stated that her parents couldn't have raised a sweeter, nicer kid, but that Hang was very naive. She stated that it was uncharacteristic for Hang to not show up to work um, when she had been on shift for that day. Hmm. Hang's parents are refugees from Laos. Um, at the time, they could not speak English when they came here, so they made, which made communication with authorities super difficult when Hang disappeared. Mm-hmm. Um, she left behind all of her clothing. Her college savings, a hundred dollar paycheck, and her purse, which contained a knife for protection. So, like, none of that says run away to me. No, you would take the money. You would take you would money. Take, you would yeah. take clothes. You would take yeah. something to get you a little bit farther than where you were. As she was leaving her home this night, she told her younger brother, "Quote: If I don't come back, come and look for me." So she knew something was up. Yeah. Um, he went to sleep around 10, woke up at 1 a.m. Um, Hang would usually knock on the door of the apartment when she got back so that her brothers or someone would know she was home, but he never heard a knock. When he looked out the window, he saw that snow was coming pretty hard, um, and so he got up to see if maybe he'd missed her come in. Then when she wasn't there, that's when he knew something was wrong. He confronted Nikki at high school the next day, um, and asked where his sister was, and she said that she didn't know. Hmm. Of course she did. I don't trust Nikki. Mark Wallace. This man is gross looking. Any pictures? Uh, I didn't send any, but you can look some up. Okay. I didn't want to give him any uh, credit. Mark is a convicted rapist oh. with a long history <laughs> of involvement in several sexually motivated crimes. He got convicted of two rapes that he committed in March of 1987, and then one in April of 1987. This he- is not former <laughs> United States Ambassador to the United Nations, Mark Wallace? No, it's this man, Mark Wallace. Oh, yeah. he looks like Steve Buscemi. <laughs> yeah, he does. That's terrible. Um, he threatened the woman at knife point. One of them was 16 years old. Um, she'd gone with him after a promise of a job interview. He bound her, covered her eyes, gagged her with duct tape before telling her he would kill her and her family while holding a knife to her and raping her. Jesus. Did you catch that, though? After a job interview? Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Um, He then planned another one. He has a motive. Or not a motive. An MO. He then planned another one um, by breaking into a vehicle and stealing a woman's personal contact information. Great. Um... He then contacted the 22-year-old, asking her to attend a job interview. Do you know if all these women look the same? I didn't, okay. no. Um, 
asking her to attend a job interview for a position at the radio industry. But the woman became suspicious, knowing her personal information had just been stolen. Yeah. So she contacted police, and they sent um, an undercover female officer in her place. Smart. Smart. Wallace and the undercover officer drove around before they stopped at an office building. He told her his intentions. He was then arrested, charged, and convicted. Good. He is also suspected to have committed other sexually deprived crimes. It is unknown if he committed more um, in that area at the time. He was released from prison in June of 1991 under the supervision, which expired on the 10th of January 1993, just two days before Hank went missing. Hmm. Awesome. Yeah. Big coincidence. Weird. Must be. Weird. So strange. But also... He had that girl working for him at the time when he was on probation. Right. That's also weird to me, I feel like. Yeah. Although he's the prime suspect, the authorities didn't have enough to convict him. Um, In 2009, the authorities thought they would have a break in their case when Wallace's home in Maplewood was foreclosed upon after Wallace didn't keep up the payments. The authorities searched, or they got a... um, a warrant, searched the place with cadaver dogs, specifically focused on the garage, which had com- been completed in 2004. Mm. They used um, a probe that um, to try and like draw out smells of decomposition or bone and let the mm. dogs... Um, and the dogs alerted to a potential hit. Okay. Mm. I don't know what that means, the probe to draw out smells. Um, that's just what... I don't know either. It sounds kind of like they were poking stuff in hopes that uh, some particles that had been sitting for a while or were tucked underneath something would kind of get released into the air and create a smell. Maybe. I've never heard of a probe being used to look for (laughs) smells, though. They were able to get another search warrant and drill into the garage floor, but the dogs didn't pick up anything the second time. Oh. There's been no leads or evidence since the home was searched. They also searched his office, pickup, and nothing was found. Um, Wallace got in trouble again when he picked up charges for felony kidnapping. <gasps> Wallace's friend gave him permission for his daughter to live at his place. No! Because she, because she had no permanent address. Oh, my God. She was told to do chores around the house as payment for living with Wallace, but the 20-year-old soon became a target for verbal and physical abuse at the hands of Wallace. She eventually had a no-contact order against him, but his threats against her and her family um, kept him tied to her. That's horrible. This guy's an asshole. Don't you love being a woman? So great. And just having to have this like constant fear of Mark Wallace's of the world. <sighs> Wallace then took a young female to a motel. Um, and when management picked up that something wasn't right between them, he called the police and asked for a wellness check. The police broke down the door of the motel room and found the woman and Wallace. Um, she initially told authorities that they didn't understand and that she had to stay with Wallace, but he arrested and charged there, but Wallace was eventually arrested and charged. She would later tell authorities that if she didn't do as he said, he, in quotes, would kill her like the other woman. <gasps> oh. The woman came into my office and never came out. Oh, good. So, he's admitting to something. Yeah. 
When the 20-year-old woman was found, she was malnourished and bruised. Mark was charged with kidnapping, stalking, and possession of meth. Mark's son commented on a YouTube video of Hank's case that Mark is now committed um, to a treatment facility after being diagnosed with sexual, psych, excuse me, psychopathy and is considered a danger to society based on his criminal history and evidence of domestic violence. Absolutely. Yeah. No kidding. Shit. Yeah. How could you tell? His son states... What, gave it away? <laughs> yeah. His son states that he was a horrible father, was abusive, manipulative, and... His son now suffers from PTSD, BPD, anxiety, and um, mental health conditions. The mother of Mark's son has also claimed she thought Mark was poisoning her after becoming extremely unwell. Then when she finally left Mark, she made a full recovery Hmm. from whatever the mysterious illness was. Just being around him. He's gross. Um... That's pretty much all we have on the case. Um, if, if Hang is alive today, she would be around 46 years old. Um, her mother, who was 87 at the time, um, told an interview with a journalist that she forgave whoever hurt her daughter and begged them to please tell her where Hang's remains I'm sorry, are. she was 87 at the time of Hang's disappearance? Or at the time of this interview? At the time. She had like 14 kids. Remember? No, but 87 is really old. For Hang to be, like, 20. Yeah. Um, so that she could have the funeral she deserved. Police occasionally check Hang's social security number to see if it's working or if it's in use, but since her disappearing, it's never been used. Um, there will be a time-lapse photo on our Instagram of her, um, what they, what she should look like around 36, or, I'm sorry, age progressed to 36 years. She was last seen getting into the car with her friend, several passengers. Hang's friend has since returned home, but Hang has not been found. So that's just what's on the missing persons alert. Jeez. She's so young. Yeah. She was so young. Well, that's a terrible story. Yeah. Well, we're not going to have good stories. It's hard nope. because it's always hard with missing persons because it's like. They don't get closure. Right. Ever. Right. I mean, it's hard with unsolved cases as well, because there's not closure, but at least you get to bury a body. Yeah. With missing persons, it's hard because it's like, They're they could gone. be living a second life, or they could be dead. And yep. it's it's just hard, because you never know. And she didn't show any signs. Like, if she was going to go live a second life, she would have taken all of her money. Her money, her some purse, yeah. something. But she didn't. I, I don't think she ran away. I really want to talk to this Nikki chick. Yeah. So now yeah. I don't trust her. Because why would she set her up with an interview? She if, fucking yeah. knew. If she was being drugged, I don't think she would have. She was like, oh, well, maybe she wasn't actually a friend and was like, maybe this will get him off my back. Yeah. Which would be super unfortunate, but. Yeah. Well, thanks. You're welcome. That was good. I hated it. <laughs> Where are we going next week? Oh, you know what? I haven't actually decided. Hang on. Give me one second. I think there's only... In one way we can go? We can go um, over or down. Or down? Oh, no. <laughs> you want to buy a map? No, I don't want to buy a map, and I don't want to download an app that has maps on it. I just want to look <laughs> at a picture... <laughs> of a freaking map! ...of the United States. Where okay, are we? Minnesota? looks like we can go to either Wisconsin or Iowa. Hmm. And, hmm... Uh, for simplicity's sake, I'm going to choose Wisconsin. Right. Okay. 
We'll see you next week, Wisconsin. Follow us on ABC underscore murder underscore pod on Instagram. Um, yeah, you can catch or catch up with all our posts and look at them. I try to put out um, the state we're going to and the special place we're visiting. Where's the special place we're visiting? The lake. Oh yeah, the mine lake. Well, you, didn't give me, you didn't give me a name, so do you want me just to find a mine lake? Okay, so it is. The lake is in what was even the name of the town? Boyer. Boyer. I don't know. Bovie. Bovie. Bovie? Okay, we'll figure it out. But that's okay, where so we're there's going. There's a lake in Bovie, Minnesota that um, used to be a mine. <laughs> on Sundays, I try to post that. On Mondays, I post our drink and our reactions. And so you can prepare to drink with us. And then Tuesdays when our episode comes out. So that's also when the pictures from our stories come out as well. Um, and I do try to post little fun things throughout the week. Um, keep an eye out for our pumpkin heads. Uh, I yes. think that'll be... A fun thing to post. <laughs> um, and if you guys have any stories from um, from travels, scary stories from travels, or funny stories from travels, or funny anything laws like that, you know any funny laws you want Alex to cover, or um, <laughs> anything you want us to correct, or maybe not correct, I don't know, um, you can email us at abcmurderpod at gmail.com, um, and we'll definitely check those out. Um, but besides that, I think we're done. I think so. I think we are. Yeah. Okay, well, we'll see you next time. Bye. Bye. Watch Bye. out for deer. What? What? Watch out for deer. Okay. That's what they say in the Midwest. Oh. Okay. Tell your Watch parents I said deer. Tell your Keep folks I says hi. Keep shiny sign up. <laughs> <laughs> Ready? <Yeah. laughs> Go. Minnesota Hail to thee Hail to thee Our state so dear Thy light shall ever be Ha, ha, ha.